what we're talking about today. Well, I put a few uh, idle things in the uh, show notes. They were the same things as last time. No, I've, I updated it. I put the uh, I put some new stuff in. Oh, okay. I'm glad to see you're you're looking at the show notes, Andy. That's. Uh, I did look at them. They looked the same. Very helpful. Okay, good. Well. <laughs> it's a dig at the fact that we didn't get through any of the show notes last time, apart from the first thing. I know, <laughs> apart from the first one, which was fascinating. I think you deserve the bulk of the content today, since I was wittering on about floating shelves last time. No, it was very interesting to have, to have gone through the, the floating shelf thing with you, and uh, uh, and interesting that uh, you know we're, you got the same number of shelves per day uh, that I did um, as a as a maximum. So obviously we're. Uh, we're working at a similar rate. I do sometimes see things on um, Instagram where I don't know if it's just the way they're putting it across or whether they are genuinely doing entire, like, alcove unit builds in a day. But they're putting stuff up there and saying, oh, look what yeah. we did today. And it's like, yeah. you did that in a day? Yeah. I, I've got to say, I'm really, really liking Instagram. I'm not, I, I haven't really been on it for long. I've had an account, I hadn't really used it. And uh, uh, it's becoming my my sort of social network of choice. I think it's it's great. Really, really enjoying it. We're getting some great uh, some great feedback uh, on our own Instagram channel on the uh, Measuring Up Podcast uh, Instagram uh, as well. I love Instagram. Yeah, it, it's great. Very, very good. But yeah, there are, there are guys who post on there, and you think, how do you do that in a day? Or you know, today's today's job in you know West London, North London, or, or whatever else. You think this this beautiful slate grey floor to ceiling wardrobes with you know doors and drawers and all kinds of things how do you, how the heck do you get that in in a day i just don't know i'm assuming they're either working as part of a team or they're doing very long shifts or i, yeah. I don't know or maybe it isn't a day and the thing is as well yeah it'll it'll take a day to do the install if you pre- if you've prepared everything in advance but i don't know about you but it generally takes me about a day just to make the doors yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I don't know if I'm particularly slow at making doors, and I noticed that that was one of your points, actually, about making uh, panel doors. I had it as a, down as a, as a potential topic. Yeah, maybe we'll have a chat about that, you know, how you, how you go about making doors, because I don't think you've got a domino, have you? I don't know. I tend to... Because I noticed you've got, you've got biscuit jointer and stuff. That's right. You know, it's one of those things that comes up very regularly. I did a, my first ever YouTube video uh, as part of this kind of, you know, experiment, year-long thing was how I make shaker-style panel doors just for loose tenons. Uh, and it's one of the most watched videos uh, uh, that I've got, that, I, that I've ever done. So I think it was one of the first videos that I saw of yours was, um, I don't know, did you do, you did a one on uh, doing proper panel doors as well with a, with a cutter? With a raised panel, yeah, that's right. That was a bit later. That was a bit later. I think it was that one that I saw was one of your first ones. And then I think I saw the shaker-style one after that. Yeah. Both great videos, but really enjoyed those videos, I thought. Thank you, yeah. Well, funny, funny story. I'd, I had everything organised and everything to, to do my launch on YouTube, and I was going to be called Five Minute Workshop. Short, snappy, pithy little five-minute videos, right down to the point. And I made the Shaker-style panel door videos, the first one, and I just couldn't do it. I got it down to about 5.09 or something. 
<laughs> so I did. I put that one out, uh, and then I just I, I, I put the whole the whole thing on on hold and came back to it as ten minute workshop because I couldn't make a five minute video to save my life. Sometimes you just you cut and cut and cut, and eventually you get to the point where you you can't cut anymore. It'll not make any sense. Exactly. And yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, and the, the trouble is, I don't know if you get the same. I, I tend to waffle on on my videos because there's yeah, I would notice that, Andy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and some of them are like really long and some of them are, are really short and I do genuinely try to make them shorter but if I make them shorter I'm only missing stuff out and then I've got people sometimes people comment saying oh well you could have um, missed out the whole first five minutes of that video and got straight to it and it's like yeah but then you wouldn't know the background of why I'm doing it yeah. I'm then gonna have to answer like a hundred different questions that I would have covered on the video. Exactly, exactly, yeah. And, and, you know, everyone's a critic. Everybody's got their own opinion to do things. Uh, you know, hey, wild idea, start your own channel if you think we're doing it wrong. It's lovely to get constructive feedback, but you can't, unless you run a YouTube channel and you understand the analytics and you understand what does and doesn't work on your channel, and it's different for every type of channel. Your, I mean, your analytics will be different to my analytics, you know. Sorry, I was just making a note here, must check analytics. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have a certain sweet spot for your video length that just works well for your channel because it's what your yeah. audience is, is more used to. And that'll be a different sweet spot to, to my videos. And, you know, there's channels out there who regularly put out 45-minute videos and they've got amazing viewer numbers. And there's channels out there who put out one, two-minute videos and... It just depends what works for your audience, really, and it's trying to get that kind of balance. Yeah. And the, th the thing is, you never know what's going to work either. No, tell us about it. <laughs> but it's going to be a long one or a short one. Um, we had a little bit of follow-up, didn't we? Um, you asked in the uh, last show uh, about where people listen to. I certainly did. And uh, we had a little bit of follow-up from a couple of guys, uh, one from somebody in Sao Paulo, Brazil, uh, who listens on his commute, and uh, somebody from Nashville, in Tennessee, also listens mostly in his car. Uh, also, a friend of the show, Joey from King Post Timberworks, uh, said on Instagram he was listening in his workshop whilst building plywood bookcases. Excellent work. I love hearing about where people are when they're listening to the show. I think it's dead interesting. I think it's really interesting. Yeah. And we've got our first email to our new contact at measuringpodcast.com email address. We've got our first email to that. And uh, it was from a guy called Ethan in Oregon, in the States. And I'll read you out what he said, because it's quite interesting. He says uh, that he's a chef, and he's currently building out... Uh, he basically is a, a weekend woodworker. Ah! And he's currently building out a restaurant space for their family business. He says, I'm a weekend woodworker and watch both of your channels on YouTube. I like listening to you two gentlemen talking about the profession. I listen to the podcast while I tinker with projects in my garage and while building out my new space. Yeah, so he's he included a few pictures. I saw those, yeah, yeah. They, they look fantastic. Really nice work. It looks awesome. So he's he's been building out this kind of bar counter area mm. in this restaurant, the, the family business. So, uh, yeah, massive shout out to, to Ethan. We'll um, probably do a quick show of the pictures on Instagram. I've idea, got yeah. his Instagram address here and whatnot so uh, we'll pop them on instagram and pop them in the show notes somehow as well so yeah keep them coming i think it's dead interesting to see where people are you yeah. know if you if you as i say i think someone was listening in a in a jcb or uh, that's right we need to get someone up a tower crane mm, yeah and, and we need pictures of that definitely we want to we want to see your view S send send a picture to contact at measuringuppodcast.com 
We'll give you a quick mention. Yeah, good stuff. So, what you've been doing? Uh, what you've been doing the last couple of weeks? Anything exciting? Um, you got your you got your understairs thing in, didn't you? Yeah. So, got the understairs job done and dusted. So that's all. Well, that was a killer of a job. I knew it was going to be a, a challenge. I mean, it didn't particularly help that on the Wednesday of the install, where it was a, a workshop day. I think where I was doing the doors in the workshop. Uh-huh. And instead of doing the doors in the workshop, I decided to make another YouTube video instead. So, so I kind of lost half the day. And I was like, oh, it'll only take us a couple of hours. <laughs> I need to get the weekend's video done. And if I do it now, then I don't have to worry about it later on. So I thought, I'll quickly do that, and then I'll just work late. Do you know what time I ended up working till in the workshop? Uh, eight, ten. One o'clock in the morning. Oh, my word. So that whole day was basically from about nine-ish in the morning, including making a YouTube video through till one o'clock in the morning. I was getting so paranoid about noise for neighbours and, and stuff. But I, I, I had to get the the doors finished and glued up, ready to install the next day. Sorry, it was on the Thursday. So the Friday was the last day yeah. of the job, and I had to have the doors completely finished and which means they need to glue up overnight yeah, yeah. Um, before I take them um, down to site. So I literally had this sandwich pile of, of panel doors gluing in my workshop and literally finished the last one at one o'clock in the morning and came to bed, had to have a shower and stuff because obviously you're dusty from head to toe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so, yes, yeah, so moral of this story is when you're really up against it time-wise, don't make a YouTube video in the middle of your job. That's probably, uh, yeah, that's that's probably a good idea. What about you? Uh, I've been mostly spraying a room green this last week. Uh, and before that, I was getting my, in fact, I, I saw you put a little snippet on Instagram. You're Gosforth Handyman on Instagram, aren't you? Yes. Um, and I'm 10 Minute Workshop. Uh, you put a little snippet of your, uh, a video snippet of your understair storage slotting it in yes really nice and snug <laughs> and, and i happen to be doing something similar with my um uh, I'm, I'm building some little alcove cabinets uh, on this current job and I, I happen to be slotting one of those in and it was just that it went in quite nicely so i, I popped that on instagram as well but once they were in uh, uh I, the, the the whole room is being sprayed in a in a deep green gloss everything walls woodwork the lot Unfortunately, a small part of the floor also also got sprayed in a dark green glass, which I had to sort out afterwards. But uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll come to that later. Solid floor, or oh, a beautiful limed oak uh, floor with a little strip about uh, two hundred mil by twenty five, little sort of awkward triangle of uh, of green gloss where the where the uh, where the dust sheet had slipped or the oh, no. masking tape had moved or whatever. So yeah, did you manage to get it sorted? Uh, yes, I got it sorted. I spent a happy uh, happy hour with a scraper taking it back, and it came up fine actually. But uh, yeah, not the sort of thing you 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 want to happen. Well, at least it's not carpet. Very true. Well, carpet's not too bad. I, I'm told you can sort of shave carpet with a with a single edge razor blade, but um, right, I, I've never had to do that myself. You understand? It's only something I've uh, it's only I've learned. I've been told. Here's a quick tip for carpet as well. If you ever drop two-part epoxy filler <laughs> on carpet, don't try and wipe it up. Wait until it's dried. Let it set. Let it let it set. Because there's a yep. great temptation if, if you drop filler on a carpet to straight away try and scrape it up. And it's like, that's the worst thing you can do. It'll, it'll just embed into the carpet and you'll never get it out. Yeah. If you leave it till it's dry, you'll probably just be able to pick it up in one solid piece. There's a quick one. It's not 
worth making a video about. I might make a video about that one day, but I've got a backlog of a hundred different videos and that's, that ain't going on at the minute. Yeah, well down the list. Um, you mentioned, uh, I can't remember, a pod, podcast amnesia here. I, I can't remember if it was the last one or, the, or if it was a private chat, but you mentioned superior levels. It was a private chat. You know what it is? It wasn't on the podcast. We were chatting about something offline, weren't we? I mentioned that this is on my uh, to-do list to, to get, yeah. get a set of superior yeah, yeah. levels, and I happened to mention it. And what's happened, Peter? What's happened? And now you mentioned it. I've I've bought one, haven't I? I went and bought one and I've ordered another. So you know, have you ordered another one? Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I I bought I bought the, the long long story short. Uh, I've got a quite an expensive Bosch digital six hundred mil level, which I bought when I was first selling out so about fifteen fifteen years ago. I was a couple of years into it, and it was a lot of money. Uh, and it, it just went doolally, yeah. you know, complete wackadoodle in the last uh, last year. Uh, the 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 digital readout is wrong. In fact, the vials on it, the little bubbles have all, always been out of whack on it. Right. Just slightly annoying <laughs> the level of that cost, that sort of price. Um, so I've, I've been sort of, you know, I've been making do with the, the other levels that I've got. I've got a little 300 mil digital uh, uh, and I've got a, some slightly longer ones. Um, uh, and you mentioned superior levels. So I went on the website and it's, and it's a hopeless task, isn't it? I just kind of bought one. Well, it's funny just to give you a bit of background of what happened to you, because I was chatting to Peter about it offline and I said, I happened to mention these superior levels, and I said, have you heard about them? And you were saying, no, you haven't seen them before. And, and I says, oh, they're, they're really, really sexy spirit levels. And you laughed at me. Understandably. And and I said, no, honestly, look at these spirit levels. They're, they're, a, they're a thing of beauty. And uh, Yeah, they are. They are. My mind arrived yesterday. I had a bit of a, bit of a long day yesterday. It wasn't, wasn't a great day at work. And it was great to come home to find this little, not so little, actually. They're, they're quite chunky. Chunky pieces of uh, of gear, uh, but it you know took it out of the bubble wrap and it smells of Danish oil and aluminium and it's it's lovely. Yeah, it really is a lovely, lovely thing. They are a thing of beauty, and the fact that you can get them engraved and well, they just come engraved as standard, don't yeah. they, with your name and, with your name on, which is uh, good for uh, security and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and of course, just as soon as I put my order in, they launched a new range called the All Trades range, which is sort of black anodized with uh, with silver engraving, which looks fantastic. So I've ordered a 900mm one of those as well. So, uh. See, I'm, I must admit I'm totally torn between the new range and the old range because I do really like the wood yeah. on, on the old ones. I, I think the wood looks gorgeous on them. But if I think the, the All Trade ones are technically... Better. They've got like the vials are easier to read, and mm. um, there's a couple of other things about them that are technically better, I think. But I do like the look of the old, of the the wooden ones, so I'm still torn. Well, we'll see. Anyway, I, you know, obviously, you need at least one of each um, <laughs> going forwards. Well, I'd, I'll be getting the full set. I just haven't decided. I need to decide which which to go for. You'll have to let us know once you get the the all trade one, which one you prefer. Well, uh, I, I think I think there'll be a video and uh, uh, we'll uh, we'll have a chat as yeah. well. But uh, yes, it's you know tricky decisions. I, I've got to say they're not that expensive. Um, they they are both way cheaper than my Bosch Digital than what my Bosch Digital cost, you know, fifteen years ago. So uh, yeah, for what they are, considering they're they're pretty much custom made, or they're certainly not mass mass-produced, that they're, they're handmade by a pair of guys down in Somerset or something, aren't they? Yeah. In Somerset, that's right. British-made, British British-engineered, British uh, guaranteed for life. So, yeah, all all good stuff. Yeah. And 
they're not sponsoring the show, by the way. But if if you want to get in touch, superior levels. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> do do uh, do keep us posted. Uh, uh, but yes, they're not a sponsor. We're just uh, a, a happy a happy customer. So one of the things I wanted to talk about today was trigger words or phrases, things that kind of put you on edge. Because I've got a couple uh, that I know are connected to me, and I've got a couple that come from clients. Um, and, and my ones are, are, if I ever catch myself saying one of these, especially if I say them together, I know I need to take a step back and reconsider what I'm doing. Um, my two are, it's only, mm-hmm. and I'll just. Yeah. So either one of those, but especially if you run them together, like it's only a little bit out of reach, I'll just lean off the ladder and reach it without going down and moving the ladder across. Mm -hmm. It's never going to end well. It's only a couple of pictures to hang. I won't bother to go and get a dust sheet and stuff from across the road in the workshop. I'll just do it in my pyjamas with my slippers on. No, not going to work, is it? Uh, uh, And you said, you know, it's only a quick YouTube video. (laughs) I'll just do it in those doors, you know. (laughs) Those are things that always kind of flag up a warning for me uh, and there's a couple that come from clients as well uh, and I had one of these last week this cabinet job yeah uh, I had a, one of them's quite tricky it's a, in a corner so there are two it's and it's in an alcove so the walls come out so you can't build it as a single piece because it would never go in so it's got to go in as two pieces uh, so the the longer one goes in first and then you push that back you slot the the other leg in and then you bring them together yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the only way you can get the thing in. And that, that actually, I planned that out. I've got a video. Uh, there's been a video of that one out uh, of how I go up, went about measuring it and templating it and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there was another one, a fairly straightforward little straight one uh, behind a door. Uh, and these aren't the, the, they've got floating shelves already in them. They're chunky floating shelves. And I'm just continuing the bottom shelf down so the the cabinet sits back from the end walls slightly. Uh, Big face frame around it, deep at the bottom, so the skirting baseboard sort of runs around it. Uh, The corner one went in without too much of a fight. I'd planned that one to to spend more time on that because I knew it was going to be the the more fiddly one. It was all right, actually. Uh, I don't know if you've done this, did that classic thing where you take the saw with you but you forget to take the rails for your track saw. You ever done that? No, but I've done equally stupid things, you know. My really common one is to bring my nail gun and not bring the hose for the nail gun. So I've got my compressor and nail gun and everything, and then I've left the hose in the workshop, and it's yeah, just... I've done this often enough that I, I keep a rail in the van now permanently, but of course yeah. I'd taken it out <laughs> to, to join it up to make yeah. a longer one for something else, so it wasn't there. Anyway, uh, the, the the corner cabinet went in without too much of a fight, uh, and uh, it was about sort of two o'clock up. I still I thought that's fine. A few hours to go, I can just slot in that you know straightforward little straight cabinet. About five thirty, I thought, you know what, I'm going to come back to this fresh the next day because this is a nightmare. It just wouldn't would not play nicely at all. There was a big bump in the floor, so all the uh, I put them in on a on a plinth, uh, so that the the cabinet is raised. That the the cabinet, because the 
base of the face frame is deep, so the skirting board goes around it, I run the cabinet in at the same level as the bottom of the face frame. Uh, so that there's a big, a deep plinth that the uh, uh, that the cabinet sits on. I had to scribe that in. That was all out of whack. I was going to ask about plinths that you do because I've seen plinth, and I've seen a lot of joiners doing it this way, where you make a big kind of metal, uh, sorry, metal, a big wooden framework underneath the unit and level that all out, and then put the unit in on top of it, type thing. Um, have you never tried using like the plastic adjustable feet? Like you get on the bottom of kitchen units. Uh, I've yeah, absolutely. I've, I've done it. You know, I've, we've we've both been doing cabinets for long enough that you know we've done it probably every which way. I I just find it easier to get a solid plinth in level on wooden feet that you can then screw to the floor, uh, and then you can you can move the cabinet around easily on that to get it centered or. or Whatever else in the uh, in the alcove, mm-hmm. um, I, I just prefer that. Just your preferred method. Yeah, that's right. Especially if you've got a run of cabinets, you put the put a long plinth in once, and then you can move the move the cabinets around. Yeah, I suppose for a, for a long run, that that definitely makes sense. Um, but I do like the the little adjustable plastic feet. Mm. I do for, because for me, generally they're only there to kind of hold it in the right place until I get it screwed into the wall and the face frame put on and all that sort of thing. And then all yeah. that tends to take most of the weight once it's all built up. Yeah, sure. Well, the, the alternative way of doing, doing the plinth, of course, is that you fix the plinth to the floor and then you can fix the cabinet to the plinth and then it's just lightweight fixings yeah. into the into the surrounding wall yeah. or whatever. No, interesting. I, I wasn't sure if um, if there was a reasoning behind it, but that, uh, that makes sense. So, uh, and, and funny, I don't know if you saw, but I, I put a few pictures on Instagram. Uh, I, I mean, the, I don't know who these guys were who'd, put the the stuff in originally but they were thorough um i've never seen so many screws in the skirt obviously when you fit a plinth and uh uh cabinet like this uh, you take the, the existing skirting board off so you can get it flush against the wall and all that sort of stuff uh there was a little section this particular one was only shallow about 260 mil so there's a, a little section of of skirting board baseboard uh just standard you know nine inch 225 mil overload shape it had seven screws in it <laughs> i swear it was about it was about 260 270 mil long six uh no five screws in the in the flat part and two through the actual molding into the wall nice it took forever to get this skirting board out <laughs> such a nightmare i bet you did that actually serve any purpose or none whatsoever none i mean it wasn't moving yeah but you know Goodness me! I mean, just absolute madness. And I, I already encountered this on the corner cabinet. This is the the supposedly straightforward, simple little straight one. Managed to wrestle the skirting off. Got the plinth scribed down to the wonky floor. Got the face frame scribed down to that as well. Got the new skirting board scribed. And of course, the my new skirting board isn't quite the same overlow shape as as the one that's already existing. So you've got to fudge that and fiddle that a little bit. And eventually get it all in. I offer the cabinet up, and it won't get past because it's right alongside a door frame. It won't get past the architrave, <laughs> so the architrave's got to come up. Oh, so yeah. start taking the architrave off. And I, I actually counted these because I've never seen anything like it. You know, at standard height door, nineteen eighty one. Standard piece of architrave is about twenty, twenty fifty or twenty one hundred mil. Nineteen, nineteen. Count them. 
50 mil oval nails holding that one piece of architecture. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, 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 and, it, and it wasn't like they were spaced every 100 mil or anything. They were in little clusters of four or five all the way up the wall, some through the, through the actual moulding, some through the, the flat of the... Uh, of oh. the architrave. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. Utterly bizarre. Never, never, never. Anyway, I eventually get all that off, prize that off as carefully as I can because, you know, I don't I want to do the minimum amount of making good. I get the cabinet in and it all sits in nicely. It's all settled in. It fits nicely within the within the opening. I don't need to scribe the face frame or anything. And uh, while I'm doing this, the guy who whose house it is, comes in, he's been out, hit, he's hit the gym and he's come back in. Oh, hi, Peter, how you doing? Yeah, yeah, good, thanks. Uh, yeah, yeah, great, okay. Uh, and he goes off, starts getting a shower or whatever. And I'm just sort of, you know, I can then start hammering this damn <laughs> architrave back on. Uh, and I put little, do you know the uh, tongue tongue tight or lost tight screws? The Yeah, it's got like a little Torx head on. And- the flooring screws are the really tiny head. I use those because the cabinets are veneered, they're sapely veneered, mm-hmm. so I can, I can hide those behind the face frame down into the plinth uh, and get a couple in behind where the hinge plates are going to go as well because they've got drop-down doors on them and a couple up through the top of the cabinet into the shelf, bottom shelf, and all, all that kind of thing. So, you know, it's a, it's nice and secure and solid. Yeah. And I'm bang, 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 hammering the architrave back out. Only, only five nails on this one, because I think, you know, that's enough. Uh, and I'm literally doing the last screw, literally the, the final one. Zzz, and there's a knock on the door. It's, it's the guy who says, oh, Peter, yeah. Oh, I needed to talk to you about that cabinet. Oh, no. Two, three. I probably should have mentioned it before I started, uh, before, before I, when I came in, shouldn't I? <laughs> and that's, oh yeah, I need to talk to you about that. I probably should have mentioned it first, shouldn't I? Is one of, one of my sort of, you know, trigger, trigger phrases that is going to put a dent in your day. It's been the culmination of, of a few hours of fruitless work the previous day and a few hours of, you know, hard work that morning. And, oh yeah, I need to talk to you about that. Yeah, I probably should have mentioned it when I came in, shouldn't I? Because I heard you hammering. Yeah, you kind of should. <laughs> oh my! And and what what did the want change? What what was what was wrong? Well, uh, the 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 phrase was, oh yeah, I need to talk to you about that. Um, the backgammon boards don't won't fit in that cupboard. What? <laughs> what backgammon boards? I've never heard of a backgammon board. Yeah, you know this is this has been designed by somebody else. It's been in in the planning for many many months. Uh, I've been making the cabinets for a couple of months. The, uh, you know they, they were fitted yesterday and today, <laughs> and, and the backgammon boards won't fit. Um, what, what do they expect you to do about that exactly? Well, is there any is there any way you can sort of cut a slot in it so that we can drop them in? <laughs> what <laughs> was the actual phrasing? I said, well, not really. No, I don't. Th- and, and you know, it ain't coming out again. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, so, so basically the, the bottom line is I'm, I'm going to rework. There's another cabinet, uh, in another room, uh, of a, of a similar type. I'm going to rework it so that there, there's a little shelf, uh, for the, uh, hinges to sit on at, at the same level as the face frame. So, yeah. the, so the drop down, drop down door will still work, but then I'm going to drop the base of the cabinet down by, you know, a hundred mil or so, so that these then 
damn things will fit in. These are family heirlooms, you know, custom made by somebody's late father or blah, blah, oh. blah, whatever. Um, so, yeah, yeah, probably should have mentioned that before you started. So uh, yeah. how far are you on with this job now? That It must be nearly done. No, not a chance. Uh, I'm... Uh, this is the first major room, and I almost finished it uh, yesterday. I would have finished it had I been not doing something else today. Uh, but I'll, there's a couple of silly little things. Uh, what I what I discovered that, uh, and again, I put a, a couple of little snippets on on Instagram if you want to go and check those out. Uh, there's a, a cabinet with a drop down door. It's on gas struts, so it drops down really, really nice and smooth. I saw that. Uh, that, that looks. Awesome, awesome. Um, yeah, they work really well. Um, but because of the corner cabinet, I thought, well, it's not easy to get two gas struts on there. I mean, it's bad enough with the doors potentially colliding anyway. So mm-hmm. I thought I'll just put a single strut on, uh, and you can get them in different strengths, basically. So put a slightly stronger single strut on, and that'll support. And they're not huge doors. They're not huge doors. However, as I've discovered, they're huge enough to rip the hinges out of the base of the cabinet if they're only supported oh. on one side. So I need to revisit that, and uh, they, they do need to be equally balanced, yeah. like, a, like a drawbridge. Uh, so I've got, to, I've got to redo those on Monday with a couple of little extra, extra blocks um, to support the the right-hand strut. And then is that it done? Uh, that's that room done. Then I'm doing a couple of little bits and bobs. Uh, I'm I'm busy for a week elsewhere. Uh, so then when I come back, I've got another. That's then the, the next major room with all the with a lot of cabinetry in it. That's got a, uh, a couple of big three-by-four-metre shelf units, the banquette, the other. So, so I'm not, not, not quite at halfway yet. No. Oh, wow. That is a big job. That that is a big. Yeah, it's a lot, a uh, lot to go. Yeah. yeah. Oh well, um, it's looking great so far. What I've seen on Instagram looks fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, it looks. Uh, look, uh, you know, it's not necessarily to our taste the 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 dark green gloss for the whole room, but it does look fantastic. It, it you know, the, we can we can have a bit of a a, a smile at the uh, possibly the interior designer's expense for saying that it looks like the inside of an emerald, but it really does. It does look shiny and green and fabulous and it goes uh the the dark green benjamin moore paints um go really well with the farron ball one of their many shades of white it's one of those things as well it'll look totally different once the room's all kind of fitted out with with decor and and yes stuff indeed. is on they're, the shelves yeah, and they're getting a, a full-size rug made which sort of graduates from blue to green along the edges oh, wow. and that sort of thing which is uh, yeah really really nice um, I mean, they must really like bluey green rooms. It's something that the designers have come up with, and it does look fantastic. Whether I could live with it or not, I don't know. Lighting and all sorts can make such a difference, depending on, on uh, you know, once the, the room's lit and yeah. spotlights, and I, I don't know what the lighting is for yeah. the room, but stuff like that can turn quite mm. scary colours into amazing-looking rooms, you know, and... Mm. and but there we are. They're one of those things. Um, uh, I, I wanted to have another chat with you, and I, I think we've touched on it briefly. About there was a, one of the comments. It might have been on our Instagram or or on one of my videos. I can't remember. Oh, oh, oh no, it's in the. I think it was on the iTunes reviews. Um, and please do rate us and review us on iTunes. Thank you for all the uh, five star reviews that we've had. Um, uh, uh, somebody said that it was nice to have a podcast about woodworking that was mostly in metric. Again, 
we have a bit of a wry smile at our American cousins trying to work out mortise and tenons or draw jigs or whatever else in seven thirty seconds of an inch and all this sort of business. And yet, here in Britain, we do have a slightly awkward relationship with the with the metric system, don't we? I'm old enough to have to have been taught imperial measurements at school, but then we we transitioned into you know uh, metric uh, measurements when I was a uh, you know oh just coming towards the end of my junior school, so sort of eight nine ten years old, uh, and yet in the woodworking side of things. We, obviously, we embrace the metric system fully by ordering 147 metres of 4 by 2 down at the timber yard or, uh, or you know, getting <laughs> getting 18, yeah, three, three 8 by 4s of 18mm uh, MRMDF, yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm literally waiting on a delivery at the minute. In fact, I need to apologise in advance because I'm having to leave my phone on because the timber yard's dropping off some um, more MDF today and they will be phoning us just before they arrive to pre-warn us that they're arriving so I've had to leave my phone on so if you hear it pinging then I I do apologise but I can't switch it off because there's a vague chance that it might arrive which will be quite exciting but it would mean that we'd have to pause recording while uh, while uh, a delivery of wood arrives but but yeah and that is literally um, five sheets of 12 mil 8 before MDF (laughs) <laughs> nice, nice, yeah. Um, so uh, uh, this came up recently, actually. And I, I, I don't know about you, but I have a bit of a mental block when it comes to area. I cannot visualise square metres. When we first start, I, and again, I podcast amnesia, I, I, I can't remember if it's the first show where we talked about our workshop sizes, but we, we both gave them in square feet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, occasionally, I think we mentioned before, me and my wife go to Venice most years, and we, we have the occasional flight of fancy where we start looking in estate agents' windows, uh, and they're all in square metres. How big is 80 square metres? I have no idea, you know. <laughs> I have literally no idea. In fact, I, I know that my back garden is almost exactly 50 square metres. It's almost dead on 5 by 10, because I had to work that out when I was doing the decking and all the rest of it. Uh, but how, how that relates to a room size or a room area when it's to walls and ceiling or whatever i i just have a complete mental mental blank with this i've got exactly the same thing on on square meterage exact i cannot visualize square meter i can visualize a meter yep. and if i kind of think oh well that's about three by three okay yep. well it must be about nine square meters or, yeah. or, but an, an eight by four sheet of eight by four is almost exactly three square meters i know that but other than that it's you know it's 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 uh, this came up recently um the the dark green paint that i was using for this for this job is uh, benjamin moore paint and they're relatively new to the uk they're an american company uh, i'd never used it before so I re- it's one of those fancy paint places where they don't really have many shops so you've got to phone them up or uh, you can't order through the website with an account so you've got to phone them up so again i wanted to talk to them about the paint anyway uh, and you know phone them up talk to a very nice young woman about paint, uh, and she says, "Oh, and uh, you know, because Benjamin Moore's American company, um, it's sold by the gallon or the quart." Yeah, I must admit, whenever I see that, I'm like, I don't know what a gallon or a quart is. I mean, I said, "What sort of measurement? What sort of coverage do you get?" Well, she says, "A gallon's three point eight liters, and you get about forty square meters from it." <laughs> Hang on a minute, this is like the worst of all measurements <laughs> for me. You know, I can't visualize forty square meters, and I was thinking. 3.8 litres seems a bit light 
I'm fairly sure a gallon was about four and a half. And then the penny dropped. They're talking about US gallons, which are different again to regular gallons. You're joking me. I, d- I didn't know that. No. It's the, the, There's different gallons. Oh, yeah, they're all, all small. absolutely insane. Why can't we just sort this out as a planet? Yeah, different gallons. Different gallons, different pints. Jeez. Um, you know what it is? There's certain things that work well and, oh. For, for our American friends who listen to the show and, and for people all around the world, if you think the UK is metric, then please think again. We are in this, we're stuck in this kind of halfway house between imperial, I mean, all you have to do is come to the UK and you'll see straight away that we measure speed in miles per hour and distance in miles. But yet, bridge heights will sometimes be measured in feet and will sometimes be measured in metres. Yep. So you have to know, if you're, if you're driving a tall vehicle, you have to know the height of that vehicle, as I found out when, when we got a caravan. <laughs> There's a story there, isn't there? Um, and... The, the manual of the caravan only gives the height of it in metres, which I, I took a note of and I had it like stuck on my dash just in case we came across any low bridges or anything. Yeah. And then we're coming up to these bridges and the, the heights are only shown in feet. And it's like, I literally had to stop the caravan at the side of the road, yeah. go on the internet, convert from feet to metres to check that I could actually fit under it. It was like, well... It looks like it'll fit, but I don't want to really take the chance that it doesn't fit. It Honestly, this country, when it comes to this mismatch between imperial measurements, I, I, I don't care mm. which one we, we pick, but pick one of them, for goodness sake. I'm going on a bit of a rant here. For what's worth, I think we should just go on kilometres for distance. I think it would make life so much easier in terms of like trips to Europe and all that sort of thing. I, I think there's there's just so much scope to to sort out a lot of stuff very quickly. And I just don't understand why it's, why we're still on miles per hour. I don't know. I, I think I said I'm, I'm just about old enough to have bought a gallon of petrol, but I, I couldn't tell you how many litres per hundred kilometres my, my van does. Well, here's, here's the other insane thing, is that we buy petrol in litres, okay? So you go to a petrol station, it doesn't tell you how many gallons of fuel you've bought now. It's only shown in litres. But you're, gauge on your dashboard is in miles per gallon yep well I, I don't know what it's like in newer cars i mean my truck's 10 years old so <laughs> maybe newer cars aren't, aren't measured in miles per gallon anymore but my truck is is miles per gallon no ours is only a year old it's in it's an mpg yeah yeah how insane is that that you buy the yeah. fuel in liters but then but then the speedo is in miles per hour you yeah know, yeah it, it is it is odd also as a as a complete aside um our american cousins for smaller measurements uh, we we say a four by two for a timber size, yeah, or a two by one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've noticed this. Uh, American cousins always always put the smaller number first. They say a two by four and a one by two. That's interesting. So would they say four by eight? Uh, they put the smaller number. No, that's the point. They say an eight by four feet, but for smaller measurements in inches. Because I know in my previous career as a photographer, um, I, the sort of work I did with we used big cameras they had sheet film that took uh, sheets of film five by four inches or ten by eight inches so you know physically large bits of film uh, and occasionally we you know we'd have an american photographer in in the rental studios or whatever and they'd always refer to them as a four by five or an eight by ten uh whereas anything in feet seems to go the other way it's, it's just a small linguistic quirk so what do, do you measure when you're measuring stuff out in the workshop are you in inches or are you in metric millimeters all the way 
Yeah, same here. Um, Although I tend to find when I'm quickly measuring up a room, sometimes I'll do that in inches just because I can read the numbers more easily off the tape measure from a distance right? and for getting a very, very quick idea of, of sizes. Sometimes I, I do fall foul to still reverting back to, to inches for some weird reason. Right. Um, but for, for actual work, for actual making things, yeah, I'm I'm millimeters all the way. Um, it's just so much easier to to deal with. Yeah, no area is the one that is my one fall down really. It's uh, j- just because I can't visualize it. Um, although interestingly, when I use my little laser measure, it's always measured in meters. So well, here's another one. How how tall are you? I feel eleven. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and ten stone ten. There we go. <laughs> I, I kid on that. I'm I'm six foot, but I'm I'm shrinking. I think I'm about five eleven. I couldn't tell you what that is in in metric, although every time I go for a checkup at the doctors and they they measure your height, they measure it in metric and they tell you what it is. Yeah, but it just doesn't. It goes in. It just falls out my brain. Goes in one ear and out the yeah. other. Meter seventy two, I think, or something like that. I, th- I was I was once when I was younger. I was once stopped by the police uh, while I was driving, and I was quite miffed that they put my height down as five foot nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm at least five foot ten. What do you mean? <laughs> but yeah, the the UK is this mismatch of imperial and metric, and sometimes it kind of works in your favour. Most of the time, it doesn't, and I think we just need to pull pull with fingers out and just get switched over because it does my head and especially you know some of it is, is annoying and some of it is genuinely dangerous you know when you as i say the the example of driving along roads and coming to and i think most bridges now new signs show the the height in in feet and meters but you'll find uh, a, a lot of older signs that it only shows you in, in feet. And there's all sorts of other things like that where it's genuinely dangerous if you, if you don't know both. I mean, my son, he's uh, coming on 12 years old and he hasn't been taught anything to do with the imperial system at all. Interesting. At school. L- literally, it's not touched on in, in any way, shape or form. Mm. Everything is metric um, in, in school now. Do they teach centimetres in school, or is it all millimetres and metres? Um, no, they, do, they teach centimetres. He, he knows what centimetres mm. are, and, and right. yeah, he can visualise centimetres. So I think it's a bit of a combination of everything, just uh, um, depending on what they're measuring. But, yeah, it, it's all metric, though. I, I was quizzing him about inches, and I said, "Could you? Could, do you know what an inch is and how big it is? And he says, well, I, I know how big it is from looking at my ruler. <laughs> And and he's seen that it's a, it's about three centimeters, and I'm like, okay, but that's that's he's never been taught. It. Don't get him doing your quotes, Andy. Yes, <laughs> yeah, <again>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the bookcase is like three times bigger than it needs to be. <laughs> yeah, I, I could rant a long time about the whole metric imperial <laughs> crossover. Yeah, it's a it's a, it's a curiosity, isn't it? It's a, a throwback, um, and yet I suppose eventually we'll all die out, and you know the the it won't get used anymore. But. It needs to die out now, Peter. It, I'm sick of it. It's really annoying. I find that it, it holds me back. We just, you know, I mean, here's another thing. Getting hold of metric tape measures isn't that easy. Every, everything has dual measurements on. I know you can obviously get metric-only tape measures. Yeah. But I'd, I'd like a metric-only tape measure that has the measurements upside down, if that makes sense. So, so where you've got 
the numbers. So, so it doesn't matter whether so you're reading left to right exactly, or right to left. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got the numbers yeah. the right way around at the bottom and upside down at the top. Yeah, I use uh, Swedish tape measures called Talmeter from Hulterforce, uh, and they are metric only. Uh, uh, and they've got a little springy out leg bit so you can measure the inside of a, of a recess. And I, I want double-sided ones as well, where you've got the, yes, same, be the same on the back as what's on the front, because there are plenty of situations where you've got your tape measure facing away from you and you can only read the back of the tape measure for whatever reason. Yeah. And I, I want a tape measure where it's got the numbers on the bottom and then inverted on the top and then exactly the same thing on the back and no imperial on it whatsoever because it's completely pointless. That that would just tick a box. If, if a tape measure manufacturer out there <laughs> or, or if anyone knows of a tape measure that does that, then I, I would be uh, forever indebted. So have you had any um, metric imperial nightmares where stuff's got accidentally converted the wrong way or, or customers have quoted in metric and they're meant to quote an imperial <laughs> or, or anything like that? No, I don't know. The closest I came to, I think, was um, the slightly bizarre thing where a customer had, had it was on the pricing, I did on the, the pricing video that we, that I did uh, a little while back where the customer had, had done drawings for me and he'd, he'd written the measurements in decimal feet. So it was 4.5 feet and 4.75 feet. So, you know, it's just, again, the worst of all combinations, really. If you've got to use feet and inches, use feet and inches. Preferably just use inches, preferably just use millimetres, you know. it was, But it was a, a real mishmash of awkward measurements because I looked at it to start with and I thought, I thought he meant four foot five. And then I looked again, it was 4.5 feet. And you think, yeah, that could easily have, uh, have gone wrong. As it happened, it was a, that job was a non-starter. But no, I think most of most of my customers, most of my clients, uh, if they refer to measurements at all, they're very happy with the with the metric system. Again, they're you know they're they're youngsters who uh, who probably never <laughs> were never taught to, uh, imperial measurements at school. Yeah, and again, this this is the thing that people need to understand now is that from well, at least for the last twelve years, and I would suspect maybe for the last twenty. Plus years, I don't know. Maybe p- people can uh, let us know on Twitter or something. Mm. It would be interesting to know when people were last taught imperial measurements at school in terms of just inches and feet and and because, as I say, my son hasn't come across that at, at school at, at all. Um, I'm not sure. We used to do both when I was at school, oh, right. and I'm in my forties, um, and we used to do a bit of both. Generally, everything would be in centimetres, but inches would still get referred mm. to. You know, you would still get get told. Yeah. But, for example, I, I have no idea. I know there's a 1,000 metres in a kilometre. I, I couldn't tell you how many yards are in a mile. 1,760. Oh, look at you. <laughs> that was, I, I think, that was, that, was, that was one of those things from school, yeah. I think it's 1,760 yards in a mile. So even though we're measuring speed and, and distance in miles, I couldn't break it down any any more than than by mile. Yeah. Well, the, 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 again, it's one of those weird things. If you use a sat-nav and you want your distances in miles, they automatically give you the closer distances in yards. <laughs> and, you know, when you're driving along a motorway and you're coming to a, um, you're coming to a turn-off, 
and you're coming to a, a slip road off the motorway and you get the countdown of the three, two, one signs at the side of the road. Isn't that a yard measurement? Isn't it? Isn't that a, a 300 yards? Is it? It's not even 300, 200, 100. It's some weird. Yeah, well, they were divisions of a mile, weren't they? Ah, uh, I have no Quarter idea. Quarter mile, half mile, eighth mile. Do you know those, do you? Uh, not, I think it was 224, 40, 880, because 1760 was a mile. We're delving into the very dark recesses of my mind here, so I hate to think what else is in there. (laughs) We need to be careful. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, if you're driving down a motorway in Britain and you come to a slip road, you'll see these little things at the side of the road. I don't know if all countries have them or not, but they've just got like three little lines, then two little lines, then one little line, and then you've got the turn off. And it's just counting down to how how soon the turnoff's coming. It's funny. It's it's really funny. But yes, I, I, coming back to the original thing, I can visualise square feet. I can't visualise square meters. Maybe I need to start making a sustained effort of referring to how big my workshop is in in square meters. Because because I kind of base everything off. So how I know my workshop's about two hundred and fifty square feet, and this looks about double the size of my workshop. So it must be about five hundred square feet. So maybe I should refer to. I think that's about fifty square meters. I'm not not sure. Exactly. Off the top yeah. of my head. Do you know your workshop size in square meters? Yeah, I, I do exactly the same thing. Again, this you know uh, uh, pot of paint that covered forty square meters. I I know that's four fifths of the back of my garden, but but how that relates to an actual room with you know both sides of a shelf or you know all the alcove recess and all all that sort of stuff, I struggled with it to be honest. So uh, and the funny thing. Not having a pop with people on on Imperial, but the funny thing is that everything is ultimately measured in metric these days. You'll find that your Imperial feet and yards will somewhere all centre back to a a set uh, measurement for that particular thing, and that set measurement will be in in decimal. It'll be in, in metric. Same goes for weights and measures and, you know, your standard stone will be a, a, a metric measurement of a kilogram. That the, the standard will be laid out based on a metric measurement. Yeah. I, I will 100%, well, 99.99% guarantee that <laughs> uh, because that's the way, way everything has, has gone now. All of your standard measurements are, are based on metrics, even if you think it is imperial. And the thing is, if you think about, like, other things, uh, like degrees for example not that um it's just fresh in my mind after the last video i did where i I did a video on on dissecting (laughs) angles and stuff. oh yeah you were dissecting angles weren't you that's right degrees if you split an angle that's always going to be decimal isn't it i mean if if it's half a degree yes or or 0.1 of a degree so i'm assuming that's a worldwide thing so it's not as if decimal is completely alien to other parts of the world. This, you know, and it's not exactly rocket science because it's just a tenth. No, indeed. Well, there, there, I, I, sorry, I've just been sort of googling very quickly because I, I could, I knew, but I couldn't remember the names. There, there are only three countries who who haven't adopted the metric system. It's one of them, Britain. Uh, no, funnily enough, <laughs> apparently we fully adopted it. Uh, Myanmar, Burma, and they are they are in the process of adopting it. Uh, Liberia and the US. Yeah, they're the, they're they're the only countries that uh, they haven't 
adopter of the metric system. So there we are. So, uh, yeah, I think, as I said uh, a little bit earlier on, we, we occasionally sort of have a bit of a wry smile when we see our uh, American YouTuber cousins struggling to work out mortise and tenon sizes in cabinet doors. And I think we mentioned earlier cabinet doors was a, a possible topic, wasn't it? I mean, I did my thing on loose tenons. How, how, how do you do yours? Obviously, domino is, is one option. Um, so I don't have a domino yet. It, it is on my list, but I, I do still have a couple of things that are, that are above it on the list. I, I do want to get a domino at some point. It, it does seem that it would make a few jobs that I do quite a bit easier. But I tend to rely on the biscuit jointer for, for most stuff. Mm. That, and for, for doors? For doors, generally, it depends on... on <laughs> it kind of depends on how much time I've got and, and also the final style of the door and, and stuff like that. Yeah. So I biscuit joint the um, the rails and styles and that, that works really well. Yeah, is that strong enough? Yeah, easily. I, I, I've, never used, I've, I've never used a biscuit joint, so I don't, I don't really yeah, know. easily. And the thing is, once the panel's in, yeah. it, it ain't, it's not going anywhere. You know, the, the panel adds so much strength to the door. I bet, and I've never tried it, I bet you could get away with just butt-jointed glue joints with nothing, and I bet it would be absolutely fine. I would never do that. And obviously you've got all the benefits of, mm. of dominoes or biscuits for alignment, but there's so much glue surface area in the actual panel Yes, that, that holds everything together anyway and keeps it as one big rigid structure. It can't, it can't flex because the panel stops it from flexing, so it can't it can't go out of square. Because once that glue's dried, you know it, it's not going anywhere. Yeah. Have you ever done many glazed doors? I've done some, but it's not exactly. I tend to avoid glass like the plague. I'm, I'm I, I don't take on glass related jobs. But uh, no, I was I was curious because obviously the uh, with a glass glazed panel it's, it's not adding any strength on the contrary it's it's a, it's a big heavy loose thing within yeah. the door that um uh puts added stresses on it uh, and for those i did a set uh actually just before christmas but uh, the video was out uh, more recently uh, a couple of tallish glazed doors on a, on a bookcase in a, in a run of cabinets and i actually made my own domino my own loose tenon for those because by the time you'd rebated enough out of the rails and styles to get the glass in there, there wasn't enough to get two well-spaced dominoes in there. So I, I made a, a wider slot uh, and made a, a, a loose tenon out of plywood uh, to fill it. And that worked really well, actually. That was Just uh, six mil? Or... Strong. Yeah, just six mil. Yeah. yeah. I mean, definitely for glass doors, you're going to absolutely need it to, to keep mm. it in, in, in check. But yeah, so for the panel doors, sometimes I'll do the slotted version. So for shaker type type doors, um, I'll run the slot all the way around. Yeah. And it depends on if I'm going for more of a Victorian type look where I want a deeper front edge, then I'll do a rebate on the back rather than a slot. Uh-huh. And I'll drop the panel in on the back into the rebate. Right. Uh, and again, that's glued in. And then that gives a deeper recess on the front for running running beads or, or whatever do you keep this the the rebate the same thickness as the panel so you get a flush back to it yeah i prefer to have either exactly the same thickness so six mil effectively mm-hmm. or very very slightly less so that i can like five and a half mil so that i can sand it 
flush along the edges and get it pretty much because sometimes it, and the other advantage there is then when I'm clamping it, I can put a big piece of wood across the back and a big piece of wood across the front and clamp it and it'll hold the panel in place. If the panel is recessed, then you're going to have to put something underneath to put some force on the panel. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Um, Whereas if I've just got like kind of half a millimetre above the edge, then all I need is one big um, piece of wood across, clamp it from from the back on on both edges, and that'll hold the panel while the glue dries. Yeah. Um, And then a very, very quick sanding round brings it perfectly flush and and it looks nice. And afterwards, you you don't wonder if you can fit a drum sander in anywhere, (laughs) because that'd be really handy for doing doors. Yeah, tell us about it. Tell us about it. Yeah, what a great big kind of one that you can feed the whole door through. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be great. Uh, You know, when... when you do a lot of doors, uh, you know, quite a few uh, of the cabinet runs I do, you end up with like a dozen doors sometimes. And uh, yeah, it'd be really nice to uh, to have the space to have a little drum sander. You just feed them through and they come back perfectly flat and smooth. Do you ever make proper raised panel doors with the, the raised panel cutter? No. As per your video? Uh, no. Very, very rare. Is it just very rare? I mean, I'd, I have done it occasionally, but it, it's very rare. Again, just because, yep. mainly because the customer doesn't ask for it. Even when presented with the various options, they normally go um, for either the shaker style yep. or the kind of Victorian style with the, the, the bead inserted on the Shaker with a bit of beading in it, yeah. But no, I was just intrigued because I, I do sometimes use the, the proper, the, the style and rail cutter and then the big panel cutter on the router table. But it's it's very rare, and obviously it's, there's a lot more setup time involved and and stuff. I mean, once it's set up, it's as quick as the other methods. Yeah, but um, but that's the thing. You've you've for the setup time to be worthwhile, you need to be doing a you know a half a dozen doors or so, don't you? So it's a, it's a lot of a lot of faffing around just for one or two. It is. Um, but I was just intrigued whether or not um, it was something that you run into. No, I've only ever done them once actually. Uh, yeah, and that sparked that little video that i did um yeah but I, again i did uh half a dozen uh, or eight maybe so yeah it was it was worth the setup time um and they looked good in the end uh but i've yeah i've, I've never done the whole you know raised panel what do americans call it cope and stick i mean i suppose the advantage is is that you don't have to put beading in and you don't have to put you don't have to bother with tenons because it's all kind of built in to the to the to the joints yeah there, yeah there are so many layers to it it'll just yeah it'll just hold itself together but, uh, yeah. anyway and then joy of joy the jobs that I'm on the job that I'm on next week which is um another alcove unit job and it's art deco and they just want completely Ooh. flat doors no no rail styles anything so it's just literally a piece of mdf flush doors awesome. nice so that keeps life simple so um finger pulls handles uh push to open push to open nice yeah so push to open would you use the little bloom tip on ones or something just else? yeah just little blooms we'll the little we'll, pistol uh, ones do, yeah. yeah we'll we'll do the job on those and um and then it's going to be an array of random looking shelving above if that makes sense so mm. a, a kind of floating shelves but in random yeah, cubes and shapes. If that makes sense, nice. that's yeah, what yeah. they want. They're surprisingly hard to do those to get the to to lay them out. Those sort of asymmetric 
shelves. Uh, it takes a lot of planning. It takes a lot of planning. And I, again, it's one of these ones. I've done the whole job on SketchUp. I've shown them a, a video of it to show exactly what it's going to look like because there's no going back. You know, I, I need to, uh, ev- every single piece has to be custom made. And yeah. I need to plan all the joints in advance as to where I can get the nail. Some of them are really small, narrow, little alcovey bits where you could just put, like, a pot, you know, like... Yeah, yeah. And they're too small to get a nail gun in, so I, I need to plan all of that in advance as to how I can actually joint it, and a lot of it's going to have to be pre-jointed before I fit it, or I need to come up with some other kind of jointing techniques for getting the side supports put in, the vertical supports put in, if that makes sense. So uh, so that's next week's job, which um, I'm... Quite looking forward to, but it's. I think it's another one of these ones that it's going to take us because I'm doing all the painting on this one. Excellent. Which I don't mind because I think it's going to look, touch wood, hopefully it'll look quite nice once it's finished. So it'll be nice to see the completely finished job, but I think it will overrun the week. And then I'm into back into exhibition world after that. Lots and lots more. Did you see the exhibition boxes that I've been building i did nice paint finish on those yeah it's just rolled um but yeah i I took a long time on on getting a a decent finish on them yeah um but i've got another 30 of those to make so that was just 10 of them there and 10 of them took three or four days to make so i've got another 30 of those to make and um and then a couple of weeks after that, it will be the exhibition where I need to be on site with the, the guy to help get everything set up. And obviously it's been in this staging area for quite a long time. Yeah, sure. So there'll be scuffs and marks and bits of fillering. And so I need to kind of get everything looking nice and, and ready to go. So that's and that that'll take me up to July. And I haven't really thought much past that at the minute. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know that feeling. There's so many other things. That, that, oh, make a central. This comes out. Uh, yeah, well, I, I've, I've been trying to work out. This this podcast's going to come out after make a central. The, the day after, isn't it? This comes out on, on Monday the 7th. Yeah, so, so how was it for you, Andy? Oh, I, it was amazing. I've still got a bit of a sore head. Yeah, I'll bet. I'm so sorry I missed it, but yeah, hey, family commitments. I hope everyone had a fantastic time at Maker Central. I hope they did too. Uh, I, I, I'm, I, I've apologised once already in a, in a video this week, but I'll say it again. Uh, my apologies for, for not being able to make it this year, but as I say, I had a sort of long-standing family commitment. There's nothing you can do about that. It's just sod's law, isn't yeah, it? Family comes first, and uh, uh, the, the general buzz and vibe about Maker Central uh, suggests that it's going to be very successful. So I absolutely expect to see another one next year. Uh, and I will absolutely be there. Yeah, I've, I've got to give a shout out to uh, Nick Zametti, who who's done most of the legwork, I think, for arranging Maker Central. Yeah. I know he's had a team of people involved in, in putting it all on. But him and his team, I think... I can't imagine the amount of planning that goes into an event like this. Yeah. So uh, uh, rewinding back to actual time, I'm busy getting all my bling merch sorted out for Maker Central at the minute. Yes, of course. Those little key ring tags and bits and pieces to give away. Yeah, well, I've seen some of those on yes, Instagram. Which is yeah, a yeah. story behind that. But um, actually, the, if things go according to plan, and again, I'm building myself up to a fall here, but <laughs> if things go according to plan, the, the video of making the little keyring tags should come out on the day of Maker Central, so on, on the day that I'm there, which is on, on the Saturday. Right. Um, if it hasn't come out, 
then it's because things didn't go according to plan. <laughs> yeah, well, fair enough. I'd like to give a quick shout out as well to a gentleman, Richard, from Longstaffs of County Durham, who I think he must have heard... Were we talking? We were talking about air cleaners on one of the podcasts, weren't we? Oh, yeah. And um, I've ordered one of the little... What they're called, the uh, air con- air quality monitors. Oh yes, yeah. I've ordered one of them. I'm waiting on it to to arrive at the minute. Yeah. But he heard on the show that that I was in the market for getting an air cleaner. Yep. And he he touched base with us on Instagram, dropped us a quick note. He'd seen something on Gumtree. Someone was selling one for twenty quid. Wow. Yeah, and uh, it was just down the road, and I went to pick it up, and I've now got a little. It's only a little thing, but. It, does the job for now so i've now finally got a little air cleaner in finally my got shop. an air scrubber fantastic yeah what so, uh, was it, th- is it the record one or a, a no different, different make? it's a different make i can't think of the make off the top top of my head um, no, i don't worry i mean there's only a few there's record and jet and it's not Xmas one of the big a, it's not one of the square box ones oh right it, it's like a round thing that dangles from the ceiling um, I need to sort it out, actually, because every time you switch it on, it starts just burling round and gets all tangled up in its own cord. <laughs> it's designed to just hang from what a single fixing point. But it, when you start it up, it automatically wants to spin. So I need to change it so it's hanging from two fixing points so that it can't spin when you switch it on. It's like a, like a helicopter with no tail rotor. The body is going to spin around. The- <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, I, I need, that's a job I need to sort out, but it's it's a two-minute yeah. job. Oh, excellent. Well done. Um, but it does the job. It, it's it's great. And it, it's, you know, the power of Instagram. I think Instagram's an amazing community. I've, I've been on, I think, for about a year or mm. so now. And I just find it totally different to anything else I've found yeah. online. It just, everyone's really nice, and there's, I've never had trolly comments. I've never had um, people posting horrible mm. things. You know, people are just generally really, really nice to to deal with on Instagram. I'd I'd love to shout out every single person that I follow on there because yeah. <laughs> it's just it's a lovely yeah. place. And as I say, the Richard from Longstaffs, he just he dropped us a note and said. Here's an air cleaner, and literally within a day I'd been, been and picked it up. Picked Fantastic, it up and yeah. got it fitted, and and yeah. awesome. And Instagram stuff. is, of course, particularly useful for us as as makers, creators, uh, because it's a visual medium. You can put pictures on there very easily, uh, and tag them, and people find them and comment on them, and uh, all the rest of it. So it's a great uh, it's a great place to be. Uh, please do follow us on Instagram. We have a measuring up podcast. Uh, podcast account on Instagram, Andy, your Gosforth handyman on Instagram. I'm 10 Minute Workshop. Um, also, you can get hold of us through the Twitters, uh, Measuring Up PC on Instagram, uh, 10 Minute Workshop on Instagram, and Gosforth Andy on Inst- uh, on uh, Twitter. Uh, on I'm, on Twitter, I'm Gosforth Andy. That's right, because I couldn't fit it all in. 15 character naming limit is really not so useful. Is oh, it? it does my head in. By the way, I'm going to have to point out. Gosforth, it's Gosforth. It's not Gosforth. Okay. It's only Gosforth if you're really, really posh. Ah, okay. The, in, in the really posh areas of Gosforth, people will refer to. Oh, I'm from Gosforth. Gosforth. But but in most people call Gosforth. It's it's more of a. You could write it as F U T H. That's how it's pronounced at the end. Gosforth. Right. Gosforth. <laughs> uh, so obviously you've been a busy boy in the workshop making your stuff, and I've been out of the workshop doing other stuff. Have you had time to listen or watch much uh, the last couple of weeks? Re- other than the stuff that I've already mentioned, not 
really. I'm sure something will spring to mind once we've we've finished. Yeah, almost always. But off the top of my head, no, not really. Uh, I want to give a quick a quick shout out uh, on YouTube. Uh, Thomas Nagy, uh, an electrician's day in London. Uh, he has only been on YouTube just over a year little bit longer maybe he's got a really good following 30 odd thousand subscribers uh and he's just a, a really nice guy he's an electrician and he just gets into some really interesting places uh, and he does vlog style videos uh, of about what you know where he's working what he's doing rewiring a house he's done some bits and pieces where he's asked people to have a guess at, you know what the job's costing all, all that sort of stuff. Really, really, he's got a very good manner, uh, a very good approach to his videos. And they're all done on a GoPro sort of vlog style, um, uh, of vlog style videos in his van and out and about. Uh, great, really, really good stuff. Well worth a watch if you, uh, if you have the, have the chance. I've seen uh, Thomas's videos. They're fantastic. I, I think they're very entertaining. It's again, it's, it's really interesting getting that kind of, view on things from the other end of the country and and especially you know there's not many electricians on on youtube have you ever run into them on jobs out of a matter of interest i haven't no no um london's quite a big place so you know <laughs> no i wasn't sure whether you happen to be in the same neck no, of the woods or anything. No. no 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 he works he does a lot of work in central london so I, I don't sort of venture into there very often i did have somebody on somebody in the comments uh on one of the videos of mine said uh oh i, I mentioned that i was driving back to, you know, grubby Hammersmith and wherever I've been. And somebody said, oh, James May lives in Hammersmith. Do you know him? <laughs> so, well, actually, no. It's like Hammersmith is a, you know, a small part of London, but it's still got a million people in it. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the other guy I wanted to give a quick shout out to as well on YouTube is uh, uh, somebody I know, uh, uh, an early subscriber of mine, a guy called Carl Pountney. He started his own YouTube channel not that long ago for his woodworky type stuff. It's called Straw Bite Workshop. That's B-Y-T-E. Uh, we'll put links to these uh, in the show notes. And Carl's got a nice little channel building there. Uh, he's done a few makey type things. He's done some nice little tool reviews. One of his first builds was actually building his shed, um, his, his workshop shed. Uh, and he's done a nice review recently of, uh, I think it's a Makita saw that runs on the track but it's not a plunge saw so it's a way of getting a a, a a decent quality saw without going to the to the extra cost of a plunge saw he's done a, done a nice little review of that compares it to a, a regular diy black and decker saw on a, on a homemade track kind of thing interesting we'll pop them in the show notes he's got a nice little channel building there and he's got his uh his thumbnails and his graphics all sorted it's all looking good so good, well done, Carl. I think he's only got uh, he's only only been at it seriously for four or five, maybe six months, um, uh, and he's got about three uh, hundred ish subscribers. So uh, give him a look and uh, give him a sub. He's uh, well well worthy time. I think we're we're done for today. Unless uh, you can think of anything else, I, um... I think we are. I'll just say uh, have a great. I hope you had a great uh, Maker Central um, and enjoy it. Yeah, we'll be back in two weeks as per usual. So uh, don't forget to hit us up on Patreon as well. I think we said if we get to 50 patrons and we're definitely going to do a series two or a season two. Well, I could say we're, we're at 15 at the moment. So, you know, the more the merrier. We're, we're getting there. We just need another 35 more patrons and, and we'll definitely do a season two. And we'll definitely do a season two. 
This is episode six, isn't it? We're almost, we're, we're beyond halfway through. So yeah. I know, scary. Halfway through the 10, uh, ten season show. Time's flying, time's flying. We made it through quite a lot of the things on the on the list today. What what did we do? We've done Maker Central. Yep. We did trigger words. I didn't mention a trigger word for me. My trigger word is, we'd really like you to paint it. Ah, that's going to put a dent in your day, isn't it? I don't hate painting, but it's um, it's fairly low on the list of things that I enjoy doing. I've I've just got to be in the zone for it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. When yeah. when I'm in the zone for painting, I do kind of just zone out, and I do quite enjoy it. Yeah, it's very zen-like. You know, you got to. Yeah, if I'm in a rush and I just want to get done, it I get really angry doing it because it's you know when you just yeah. want to get done on a project and you can't yeah, yeah, rush yeah. it because you end up destroying all your hard work. Yeah. And then it's just like, I <laughs> just want to get it finished. But we've done pretty well there. And not too much rambling. 